Welcome to part three of our look at revolutions here at the start of the uh, unit five here in our look at the age of revolution. We are going to now look at what these revolutions then eventually inspired. So first off, we've got the abolitionist movement, which is the end of or the fight to end slavery. Then we got nationalism, uh, which comes about from uh, Napoleon. And then we got the feminist movement. Uh, which we'll see starting here, but really won't have a huge impact overall until we get to a more modern time. Uh, so, abolition of slavery. That begins all the way back at the beginning of the American Revolution. Uh, and even there were some people pushing for it before then. Uh, but uh, slavery was fought uh, against by the people of the United world, especially elites and especially in, in Europe and places like Britain. It eventually really gets to see a push there because it goes against the ideas of liberty, equality, and the ideals uh of the enlightenment and of new religious movements uh so there people are starting to see the hypocrisy in trying to, to have slaves and then uh, do all these other things that we're saying that should happen to humans now slaves were usually viewed as subhuman so that makes it okay but it really wasn't okay so uh what eventually happens is the haitian revolution uh, and actually the American Revolution, we can also say, uh, start to show a push against from uh, or away from slavery. In the American Revolution, we see it with the northern colonies. They say, hey, there's kind of some hypocrisy here, and they eventually abolish slavery, which will then lead to the Civil War happening in the Americas. Uh, but Haiti is where the really big place is that we see it, and uh, their revolution, where all the slaves are freed and it's a successful slave revolt, uh, will put everyone in Europe on notice going, hey, uh, uh, we, we might want to solve this slavery issue here before we have more of these really violent, uh, disturbing slave revolts happening in our colonies. So British is the one that really pushes for it, and uh, they will close it. Uh, they will close the slave trade, and then they will put a ban on it across the Atlantic and do their best to enforce it. Um, and so they used boycotts uh, against countries. They made pamphlets. Uh, they had uh, people voice their opinions to governments, uh, especially former slaves, uh, wrote their narratives of what happened, and that got a lot of appeal. Um, so uh, we see that happening, and uh, then the British ships within the uh, Atlantic world will, or within the Atlantic, uh, guarding kind of the Middle Passage, will take on ships that are illegally trading slaves and send them back to Africa. But they'll bring them to uh, new places like Sierra Leone or what will eventually become, um, shoot, um, Liberia. Um, so uh, we'll see them place those slaves there. Uh, as well, we'll see Russia and serfdom kind of uh, i can't say they truly ended it because we'll see serfdom still kind of lingers around until we get to the the russian revolution of 1917 uh but uh they they ended it on paper um the way people still lived their lives and were forced to do work and the work they had to do was still kind of following serfdom um the U.S. will also eventually end slavery. Uh, as I mentioned, the North will abolish it, uh, but then it'll take a civil war for the South to abolish it, and uh, they will then advocate for an end to slavery everywhere. Um, and then, uh, what else? Um, what we'll see is like these areas that uh, get rid of slavery, whether it's in the colonies in the Caribbean or 
the the better example is America because you know the United States and what happens there is um, there's there's even though it gets abolished there's there's not really a huge change that happens uh, the the former slaves are paid really low wages they can't get out of their low positions and uh, they they don't get steps up like they are equal to the people in charge um, and also this this about abolition of slavery will go beyond the Western world and will affect the Islamic world because the Europeans will try to get or push the Muslims to stop uh, buying and dealing in slaves but uh, they will struggle a lot more with that uh, so that's the abolitionist uh, movement and the end of slavery uh, by about uh, 1865 or so, uh, with the end of the American Revolution, you have most of the major powers uh, done with slavery, and actually it was being abolished sooner than that. Uh, America was kind of at the tail end of it. Um, Brazil was also a later one, and you got to think uh, how much they were relying on it and stuff like that to to grow their crops, or really especially their sugar in Brazil. Then uh, we also have the rise of nationalism. Nationalism is the idea that you uh, can see a connection between you and your country members or your, your people in your own area. And this is where you start to have the rise of nations and countries. So now you can start calling things countries later on here. Uh, but it's uh, an idea that um, this nation is based on the race of people that are there, the ethnicity of people that are there, their culture, and the actual territory that they've held for generations. And... Um, at times, or the reason that makes, or let me just say this, let me rephrase that. Uh, what makes this different than before is when foreigners came in and conquered you, you were like, okay, we got conquered. And now, uh, it's looked more as, Hey, this is our land. This is that we are our people. We should not be controlled by a foreigner. And, uh, that's really what Napoleon sets off when he goes about, they see the French acting this way and they go, wait, we're not that different from the French. But we, I mean, we speak a different language, we're in a different area, but this area is not French and we shouldn't be like this. So uh, this comes about with that. Uh, the nationalism will lead to the Spanish-American revolutions, but it will also lead to them being divided on we are not like those guys over there. Um, and uh, it will be the, uh, it. what else do I say there? Yeah, so it'll lead to those divisions. And uh, it's one of the major resistant pieces against Napoleon. Uh, this will weaken the ties or the, the control that the church uh, and religion has over people. Uh, we'll see that it will lead to uh, people migrating to cities. And we'll see it standard, standards, standards, blah, 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 blah. We'll see it start to standardize language uh, for those people in that area. And so you'll be, see more consistently come down with what that language should be. Uh, so that there's a better us versus them, and you have everyone kind of going in the same line. And um, to do this, to, to show your nationalist pride, you're going to look at your past, and you're going to look at the great stories of your past. And uh, this will eventually, in pulling on some of these stories when they weren't those stories before, will lead to countries like Italy and Germany coming about, which, or, or in this case, Prussia coming about, that were not there before. Uh, Italy had been part of the Holy Roman Empire and then really nothing um, down south of the northern Italian states. Um, 
And Germany was also part of the Holy Roman Empire, which will then eventually become Prussia in the north, and Prussia will eventually unite all its provinces and become what we would take today called Germany, but much bigger than our modern-day Germany um, because they'll lose that territory in World War One and World War Two. Uh, we'll also see the independence of Greece and Serbia from the Ottoman Empire uh, based on nationalism, and uh, this all will cause more tensions in Europe because now they're seeing truly that we are divided, that we are not part of this heritage of the Roman world. Although they are, uh, we're not going to try to unite. Or if we are going to unite, it's going to be me, our country, taking over all these other ones and making it Europe based on us, not on our differences and stuff like that. Um, what else? One final thing with the nationalism uh, is... Um, Sometimes this will backfire. In Russia, uh, we'll see their control of Poland. It will backfire, and Polish will try to resist. Um, and uh, the Ukrainians, who are also part of the Russian Empire, will try to resist. And the Finns uh, from Finland will try to resist. And so you see it uh, really affecting a country like, or a kingdom like Russia that has a wide, uh, or has a lot of regions under its empire. Uh, but Russia will hold back on that um, and bring them back into the fold if they do lose them uh, during the Cold War uh, with the USSR, or the Soviet Union, uh, or at least pieces of it, uh, except for Finland. Finland will will keep its will eventually be able to have its independence and not be part of that. Um, oh, I guess one final thing I should bring up. Sorry, uh, I keep saying that. But one final thing for nationalism is it looks different, um, and who belongs is in different. Uh, in different countries, it looks different. So like in the U.S. and France, it's all about civic assimilation, so getting used to the governmental culture and, and being an active citizen in that. Uh, for Germany, it's defined by ancestry. And uh, for conservatives and stuff like that, women uh, couldn't really be a part of it, and socialism was viewed as a bad thing with it too because it was going to overturn the traditions that were going on. Um, so that's nationalism, and we'll see that spread throughout the world uh, from from Europe. That won't be something that maintains in Europe, and that's why we see the world looking like it is today with so many different countries. And then lastly, we have the feminist movement coming out of this stuff. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, with the French Revolution, you have the idea of the Declaration of Independence, or not Declaration of Independence, but the Declaration of the Rights of uh, Man, which then gets uh, added to by women and saying, there, here's our Declaration of Rights. And uh, this is all building also off of um, or this will also build into the Seneca Falls movement in the Americas um, in 1848 with women there pushing for uh, more rights, the, the right to vote and for better education and better professions. And um, we will also see during this time uh, with women fighting for more rights, also fighting for more ideas and beliefs that they have that aren't seen with the men. Um, so you see them maybe fighting for temperance or the banning of alcohol. Uh, you see them pushing more for charities, pushing more for the abolition of slavery during this time, more missionaries, and less fighting throughout the world. And um, so we see those things going on. Um, and if you want to go back, I'm, I'm going kind of backwards here from where I started. Uh, we'll eventually get moving forward again here from the Seneca Falls and the Declaration of Rights, rights of Man and Woman. Um, but 
this all kind of starts, you can't say it all starts with Mary Wollstonecraft, but it goes back to the Enlightenment thinkers and Mary Wollstonecraft being the most prominent uh, female thinker uh, really started to push this stuff. And not that women should be necessarily be like equal, equal, but that they should be brought up to a more equal playing field, especially educational wise and stuff like that. Um, so you get the Seneca Falls movement, you get the Declaration of Rights of Man and Woman in, in France, and uh, this will lead to major pushes across the board in Western Europe for universal suffrage. Uh, most of it will be uh, peaceful. Uh, especially in U.S. in the USA and, and France, uh, but in Britain you can see it get a little bit more violent. Um, but it's not necessarily the women that are causing this; they are looking for uh, equal rights for universal suffrage. But it's also uh, everyone is also looking at this time for universal suffrage because not all men can vote. So we start to see that being pushed across the board. Um, by 1900 then, women uh, are starting to get uh, some more rights. They get some property rights. They get more education uh, coming out of things, but still no right to vote. That's going to happen after 1900, um, really after World War I. Uh, when men see what all women do while they're at war, uh, they go, okay, you know what? Yeah, you guys deserve the right to vote. And so we start, we, we finally start to see after generations and we're going all the way back to prehistory here we finally start to see that uh, men and women becoming equal again but as as you all know we are still not there today even though we're talking about 200 years or well 150 years after some of these events we're talking about uh, 100 years after 1900s or 100 years after the first women can vote um, we're still fighting these battles of equality and and we'll continue to fight them. And hopefully, eventually in the short time, uh, we will see true equality between men and women. Um, and kind of that the 10,000 years of sort of history that we've had of women being unequal, uh, we'll see again equality between the two genders. Um, what else is there to talk about here with this stuff that I want to make note of? Uh, this push for women's suffrage and women's equal rights uh, will lead to uh, norms being questioned. Uh, things like homosexuality will come up and uh, there will be new ideas on that. You won't see anyone really pushing for and saying, hey, hey, hey we should have equal rights for uh, same-sex or, or uh, homosexual people. Um, you won't see that happening, but... Uh, th that will get the ball rolling on it. And we'll see that happen more later in, in era or in unit six on things. Uh, but we'll see women's role in the home uh, will will begin to change, although this will be pre primarily be heavily uh, kept there. Uh, we'll see a lot of them going out and getting jobs or going and trying to have careers. But if they decide to go and have a career, then they can't have uh, a family. And so you've got to choose one of the trade-offs. Um, but uh, that's, that's kind of what we see happening here. So uh, you get three movements that come from this, nationalism, feminism, and uh, abolitionism. Uh, feminism we're going to see continuing. Nationalism we're going to see continuing uh, beyond this. Abolitionism is, is not that it stops, but it, it, it succeeds in its goal while nationalism and, and feminism will, will continue to still be major things influencing the world after this uh, as we continue to look at 
the rest of unit or five and then into unit six. So that's all for, for this week on, on revolutions. Uh, we will then take a look uh, next week at the revolution in economics and industry with the industrial revolution and how that completely reshapes the economic um, order of the world. And we'll see things shift from being based around China and the Indian Ocean trade there to now Europe taking center when previously it had been a backwater region of the world.